This isn't freedom. This is fear. That's a quote from the movie Captain America the Winter Soldier. As one of my favorite characters to come out of the MCU, Captain Stephen Rogers is the embodiment of American values. He believes in truth, justice, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when he is staring down three massive war machines, not the character, aimed at targeting criminals, he comes to a grim realization. The institution and the people he works for are more invested in fear than they are in individual freedom. This moment signifies a running theme throughout the film. As Steve searches for his long-lost but suddenly alive-again friend Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, the captain is confronted with a whole new set of problems, chief of which involves whether he should follow the orders he has given, like the soldier that he is, or if he should break rank, so to speak, and pursue a path that defies the organization he once trusted, all in pursuit of freedom. Welcome to the Writer's Lens. I'm Josh J.C. Alfelto, and this is episode 68, Captain America and the Freedom We All Want for Our Lives. Welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is another analysis slash deep dive episode of a popular film, book, or show where we'll look at a complex theme, unpack it, rehash it, regurgitate it for your listening pleasure, and then be off to the next one. So this week is all about the Captain. Uh, Captain America, that is. The red, white, and blue hero of the Marvel Universe and one of my personal favorites in the MCU, though it was not always that way. Uh, Captain America is a character that I think for years I really just looked at as sort of this spoofy sort of goofball character because the whole concept of Captain America, I guess, is kind of cool. You know, there's a dedicated superhero that fights for the red, white, and blue of America, but it, it just felt kind of hokey to me. And I know that sounds horrible. And maybe it's because, uh, you know, there's Navy SEALs and there are, you know, Army men and Navy and Air Force and... They just seemed so much more serious and legit. And here was Captain America with this, like, strangely star-spangled outfit and wings on his head and a giant A. And I just, I couldn't get behind that character. I just could not do it. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. But somehow, Chris Evans, uh, through his acting ability and the uh, plot line that he was given for the MCU, I came to love the character. I think Captain America is one of the best comic book heroes I think they've ever done now that I've been acclimated to him, or at least this version of him. Uh, so that being said, uh, I, I do want to get a little bit into the history of the character before we sort of unpack this this uh, this episode here, this analysis episode, and talk a little bit more about freedom. and And I think it's a very relevant topic right now, especially with all the COVID-19 lockdowns and quarantine th situations that are going on. I, I felt like this was a real pertinent uh, episode to do, and I've had it on the back burner for a long time. So uh, now I think is as good a time as ever to talk about it. But first, about Steven Rogers. So, so the character was literally born out of World War II, which a lot of people may or may not realize. I mean, Captain America is as old as the war uh, from the, the mid-1940s, uh, where... The character was created as a as sort of a foil to the Axis powers. You know, he was created to battle against them. The Nazis take him down, take down the National Socialist Workers Party. And uh, he actually went on a print by the 50s. So he wasn't around a very long time. He was there to kind of serve his purpose. It seemed as though he had lost relevancy. But then he resurfaced again in 1964. So it was a little bit time after that he came back. 
And from then on, he's pretty much been a staple at Marvel. Now, I said some of the things that Captain America believes in in the intro, but for the most part, he's always been seen as heroic, self-sacrificing, loyal, dedicated, a man of integrity, and in some ways, compliant. So, in other words, he's a soldier. You know, he'll do what is asked of him and what is required of the situation. That's what makes Captain America different from, say, Superman. Because I think if you were to kind of take a step back and you were to look at Marvel and DC, uh, Big Blue from DC or Superman, who also believes in, you know, you know, life, liberty, truth, justice, all these kinds of things, very different character in some ways than Captain America. Captain America is more about taking orders and and being a good soldier and putting his life on the line as much as he can. And it's a little bit more dramatic for him because, you know, he's not Superman. You know, he, he doesn't have kryptonite as his primary weakness. He can't punch holes in stars and all kinds of things like that. Uh, he's a superhuman Olympic athlete, of course, very fast, very strong. The extent of his powers seem to be a little bit ambiguous at times. But there's real danger there that he could die, that he could actually be killed. And that's what makes him uh, still relatable as fans or audiences to watch him and still root for him. Not to say that we don't root for Superman, but it's it's a different dynamic. Okay, It's a little bit of a different dynamic there. So, But in this film, in The Winter Soldier, and really in any film I think that Captain America is ever going to be in, there's the juxtaposition of Captain America is, is a good dude. He wants to do the right thing. He adheres to the values of American freedoms. And yet, at the same time, there's a good chance that some of the people he works for are not going to be very virtuous individuals. They're going to be people with corrupt ideas, uh, corruptible behaviors, perhaps corruptible uh, pasts that will then bleed into their present and future. And, and so... Rogers, not to say that he's naive or innocent, finds himself in a precarious situation where he now must choose between following his authorities or doing what he believes is right. And Winter Soldier does a fantastic job of putting this on display by challenging this idea of fear and freedom and what posture it is that we want to see the world from. So let's just play that clip again here real quick, uh, just so that we can get back on track about freedom and fear and, and what exactly I'm talking about. After New York, I convinced the World Security Council we needed a quantum surge in threat analysis. For once, we're way ahead of the curve. By holding a gun to everyone on Earth and calling it protection. You know, I read those SSR files. Greatest generation? That's just some nasty stuff. Yeah. We compromised. Sometimes in ways that made us not sleep so well. But we did it so that people could be free. This isn't freedom. This is fear. Okay, so now that we got that framework there about what's going on and you know, creating the running theme here throughout this, this movie, why did I call this episode The Freedom We All Want? Okay, well, living in the United States is a unique living experience. I mean, the U.S. affords its citizens certain luxuries that other countries just don't. And we have this thing called the Bill of Rights and several inherent systems in place that are aimed at protecting all individuals, regardless of race, ethnicity, creed, or religion. Now, these 10 amendments on the Bill of Rights are, are probably something you may have learned in high school. Again, I'm speaking to people from the U.S. If you're listening and you're outside the U.S., this could be a little bit of a, a lesson for you, perhaps, in, in American 
just ancient politics of America and just the founding of the of the country. So just hang with me. But these ten amendments on the Bill of Rights are, are likely something you may have learned in high school, forgot you know forgot about after you were graduated, and you only sought to reacquaint yourself with if you happen to go into law or forced to research them after falling into a social media spat about rights and freedoms, which is what a lot of people are doing right now, again, because of this whole lockdown situation. But either way, uh, you know, these are some of the things that we are guaranteed by law here in the U.S. Uh, so if you grew up here, you were introduced to this idea of inherent and intrinsic freedom very early on. You grow up hearing that you have rights, and because you have rights, you have some freedoms that you can exercise in light of those rights. You know, the land of the free, the land of the brave. Uh, there are other countries where uh, literally speaking out against people in authority can get you killed, right? Um, not to say that couldn't happen here in the U.S., but there are laws that are literally written down as if to say, if you, you know, defate, you know, if there's, you, you say, you know, derogatory remarks about a, a general or a, someone in the government, you could be hung, you could be sliced in half, you could be executed, uh, you know, at center stage somewhere. There are places like that in this world. And, and this one thing I think in the U.S. that we don't quite grasp enough are the liberties and the freedoms that we have. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But, but I would argue that no matter where you grew up, whether it's America or not, we all want this sort of like freedom for our lives. You know, we want to be able to choose one way or the other uh, and not have our freedoms infringed upon by another person. Uh, you know, we don't want the will of other people telling us what to do. Or as Charlton Heston said in the Ten Commandments, you know, man shall be ruled by law, not by the will of other men. Okay, just great movie. I just had to throw that in there. So, it's, so this concept of having individual freedom, we all want this in some way. We all want to be able to exercise it. And in the United States, specifically this character, Captain America, part of his mantra, you know, his, his MO, if you will, is that people should have freedom. They should have the ability to choose what is good for them, what's right for them, but with the caveat that you're not going to take advantage of somebody else. So again, the Winter Soldier, going back to this concept, Rogers is faced with the dilemma of, I'm working for an organization that is thinking about taking away potentially freedoms from people in order to protect them may not be a great idea. Okay. So the question is beyond the fact that now we know we all want freedom. The question now is at what point are we willing to give up some of those freedoms or why would we want to in the first place? Uh, in the winter soldier, for instance, uh, you know, when Steve is introduced to this new type of technology that will stop crimes before they happen, Right, it's a way of stopping the bad guys. Pure uh, per Nick Fury, you know, aka Samuel L. Jackson, you know, before they do something wrong. Very Minority Reportish. If you've ever seen Minority Report, another great film. Uh, they want to be able to stop things before they get out of hand, before uh, you know a mass murderer goes on a killing spree. All these kinds of things. What would have prompted this action on the part of Shield? I mean, and yes, it's a fictional movie, but. Still, a film such as this, I think, expresses an inner desire that we have, that we want to be safe, that we want to be secure. You know, advancing technology, for one, uh, you know, but the desire to control or enhance security for our citizens. 
you know, at least that would be the thought process behind it, right? As, as are most measures that a government may take in order to protect its citizenry. Because after all, human capital is worth more than gold. Any knowledgeable governor or government knows this to be true. You have to protect the people that live in your country. If you don't have people there, you don't have a country. You, you wouldn't have people to boss around. You wouldn't have people to protect, etc. You, you got to be able to protect them. So then it's, you, you know, you have to ask yourself, how big are the threats that we face? Are they enough to put everyone's lives at risk? Are there just a few of them? You know, these are the, the tough questions that get asked. And if the actions that must be taken then to protect people end up being an overreach that hurts someone's individual freedoms, you know, that, that ends up being a problem. So again, you know, there's this push and pull that we see about individual freedom versus, you know, giving up one's security for the sake of having or giving up, uh, you know, freedoms for the sake of security, I'm sorry. And that's what, again, Captain America has to deal with in this story. That's what he's pointing out when he says this is, this is fear, not freedom. You know, you're responding out of a posture of fear. You're not responding out of a posture of protecting freedom. Now, again, why would we want to give up our freedoms? You know, we, we mentioned security, etc. Now, a very relevant topic right now is COVID-19, the pandemic that has swept the entire globe at this point. People have relinquished some of their basic freedoms because of this pandemic. Uh, you know, we've been told in the U.S., you know, this is to stop the spread of coronavirus, to mitigate the possibility of our hospital systems being overrun with patients who are suffering from a virus that has yet to be fully understood. Okay, you know, the, the shutting down of concerts, events, restaurants, bars, leisure, you know, play any place that would congregate a lot of people and be able to spread the virus uncontrollably. <clears throat> These actions have been taken by governors, local, you know, law uh, enforcement officials. Uh, it's come from the federal government down. Anything to do to stop the spread of this virus. And, you know, this is behaving out of a collective interest, you know, that we know the threat is dire, you know, as we've been told. So we are doing something that is responsible for everybody, which is to give up some of our freedoms in the interim to help out collectively. So this is one of the first ways that we, we, we give up some of our freedoms. We give up some of our basic rights or privileges is that we do it by choice. You know, we've been given a suggestion. We've been given guidelines. And the U.S., again, you have this ability to make that choice. You know, do I want to get together with my family and have a family reunion where there's 50 people, even though... The reality is, is that there's this new virus on the market and we're not really sure what it is. And if you're like me, you were getting tons of information thrown at you when this whole thing started. I mean, it was just a blitzkrieg of masks are the, are the way to go. No, you have to hand sanitize. No, you have to stay 10 feet away. Oh, wait, it's only six feet away from people. Uh, you know, 10 or more, you're in trouble. Um, all of these things contribute to this idea of we have to be smart. We have to be critical thinkers about this virus. And we have to choose what's best collectively. So, you know, first way we, we can kind of give up our freedoms. The other way that you give up your freedom is, is the opposite extreme, obviously, and that's via the force of government, which is also, ironically, what has been happening in light of all this. Again, this is the interesting thing about living in the U.S. right now during this pandemic, is that you see governors trying to enforce don't get together in public don't be caught walking out after eight o'clock at night i think some people have been so kind of 
extreme to the point of uh, there was a there was a guy kayaking or something on a lake all by himself, and he was called in by a policeman saying, "What are you doing out there?" And he's like, "Dude, I'm I'm the only person out here. I'm not hurting anyone." Well, get back in you know get back in your home. You know, there, there have been a lot of crazy stories like that of people that are in positions of uh, authority that have exercised it. And it's caused a, a, a lot of problems for the American citizenry. I mean, it's ruffled a lot of feathers and in not good ways, right? Because of this government crackdown. Now, we can look around the world and we can see other governments that are, you know, dictatorships, that are regimes that are already in a place where they can tell their, you know, their citizens what to do. And it doesn't take a pandemic to make it happen. These aren't suggestions. You will bend your knee, uh, so to speak. You will bow to what our authority says, or you will puni- you will be punished, you know, either by death or incarceration, whatever it may be. This is the other way we lose our freedoms, is when the state or the government takes them from us forcibly. And again, living in the United States right now, it's kind of a weird place because, you know, do governors have complete uh, ability to do what they're doing, yes, in, in some in some sense they do. But there's also certain guidelines that have been given to us that we may freely choose to not, quote unquote, uh, keep the spread or you know to flatten the curve is is has been a popular uh, buzzword or buzz phrase, if you will, you know, flattening the curve. So those are the two so far, you know, by choice that we can give up some of our freedoms for some kind of collective good. Or, again, a forcible movement from our government to come and take our freedoms from us, losing those freedoms uh, forcibly, which, again, can have its own consequences, own ramifications, people rising up against it for a host of reasons, etc., but not wanting to forgo their freedoms. Now, you might say those are the only two options we have, but I happen to think there's a third way that we end up giving up our freedom uh, even though we may want our freedoms, we end up giving it away. And I think it's a slow and steady reworking of what basic rights and freedoms look like. So I think this this is good to think about and mull over, maybe with you know friends, close friends, or anyone, or just kind of think about on your own time, is that you know how do really bad governments and dictatorships get started? You know how do they become a reality? Uh, First of all, I think it's taking advantage of a crisis like COVID-19, heightening a sense of fear in people, which is, again, back to the movie, what Rogers is pointing out. Look, this is a posture of fear that you have. You're trying to exhibit more control because you can, but you're doing it because you're afraid of something. Are you afraid of people? Are you afraid of losing the control that you have? Are you afraid of of losing power over a situation? You know, there's this fear that's still ruminating in the in the room that you're that you're moving forward with is is fearful right? And then slowly taking away the freedoms of the people uh, that you are overseeing in order to gain control or influence. Uh, Captain America sees the slippery slope for what it is, and he calls it out for what it is. Uh, You know, another current example uh, I think that uh, can be mentioned during this whole pandemic is the idea of tracking systems that have been thrown out there on the internet about keeping an eye on the folks who have the virus. I think this is a little bit scary. Okay, these are these are some scary ideas, you know, like apps for tracking people who get sick so we can keep an eye on them. Uh, you know, there you know, even in my home state there's been talk of you know, sending you know, officers into 
places where people are congregating because they've reopened, you know, like bars and restaurants and maybe dispersing when there's too many people in there. You know, these kinds of measures begin to borderline on, you know, is this too out of control? You know, is this the government behaving irrationally? And getting back to my point that there's this sort of slow, steady reworking of what basic rights and freedoms are, taking advantage of a crisis is something that's very crucial for us to understand. The Nazis are probably the most talked about bad guys, villains of the last hundred years of human history. I mean, if you're going to talk about a bad group of dudes, the Nazis are usually the number one that comes up, whether you're on the left side of the aisle of politics or you're on the right side, or even if you're in the center, Nazis are always viewed generally bad. Okay, they they were a bad group of dudes. You know, this socialist party that existed in Germany that rose up uh, and became the dominant political affiliation, it became the dominant ruling class of Germany. The reason why was because Germany was in such dire straits. I mean, their economy was failing. Uh, They were losing a sense of pride as to who they were. They they didn't really stand out anymore in Europe. And here comes this guy, you know, Hitler, who promises them the sun, moon, and stars and invigorates them. He inspires them. He says, you know, we are Germans. You know, we have a lineage of greatness and... And we shouldn't be like this. And he, you know, uh, breathes life into their, uh, you know, their manufacturing and industry and gives people jobs and he reworks educational systems. And it, it becomes this slow, steady process of convincing everyone that he should have more and more power because he's doing such good things for them. And when there, when there is not an infrastructure in place to do a checks and balances over someone like that, who you know ushers themselves in and becomes the new leader or uh, you know executive officer or as he ended up becoming the Führer? That's a dangerous place to be in because I don't care who you are. When you are given the the scepter, when you're given the ability to make decisions that will decide the fate of thousands or millions of people, that's a power trip that none of us want to be in a position to think about what would I do with that sort of power? Because if we don't have a good foundation, if we don't have an idea of human rights, if we don't have an idea of civil rights, if we have a vendetta against a certain group or an individual of people, we will exert that power and influence that we have for our own betterment, not for somebody else's. I can almost guarantee that. That's why power is such a dangerous thing and cannot be wielded flippantly because it's a slippery slope. Uh, again, this is not to say that people shouldn't aspire to be leaders, that they shouldn't aspire to be the heads of political parties, or they shouldn't aspire to be uh, influencers and things like that. That's not what I'm saying in this. All I'm saying is that there are slippery slopes of power and influence that we have to be aware of. And with this COVID-19 pandemic, again, are we operating out of a posture of fear? Or are we operating out of a posture of freedom and protecting those? Um and then lastly, I would say that the flip side of all this is overreacting uh, when our freedoms are not in danger. You know, a lot of people like to cry f- uh, foul when our freedoms appear to be in danger. But that, again, is a posture of fear. It's not a posture of fear from the influencers and the government. It's a posture of fear from the citizenry. I think you might recall several years ago, there was this little thing called Y2K. Uh, if you're old enough to remember Y2K like I am, 
it was supposed to be this horrific situation where all of our computers were going to lose their data overnight because the changeover was going to go from 1999 to 2000. And no computer was outfitted with that at the time that existed. Apparently, the, the time clocks were going to switch over. Everything was going to shut off. The grid would be gone. We literally have post-apocalyptic uh, circumstances on our hands. What were we going to do? Well, as it turns out, nothing happened. It was a big, big farce, a big nothing burger. And I'm sure at that time, people were talking about antivirus, uh, you know, antivirus software or upgradable things, and people were making money off it, I'm sure, okay? <laughs> I'm sure people were making money in the marketplace off of, hey, protect your computer from Y2K. I, di I didn't take the time to research it, but I'm sure it's out there. I'm just throwing it out. If I'm wrong about it, so be it. But I, knowing human nature, I'm sure that was happening because even today, in COVID-19, 20-some years later, there, there have been people in the U.S. selling COVID-19, you know, anti-COVID-19 bracelets that are supposed to protect you from the virus. And there are people buying these things, right? Buying these things as, as though there's some sort of strange voodoo magic that's going to protect them from, you know, the, the dangers of COVID-19. It's a farce. You know, it's, it's, it's not actually going to work. Uh, I know this because I have a family member that works in the EPA and, and they're trying to crack down on these folks. And it's, you know, it's sad, of course. It's sad, of course. But again, people are preyed upon when they're afraid. When people are afraid, it's easier to be preyed upon. But if you're someone, again, who's in a position of influence, who's been given the, the blessing or the fortunate circumstance to be someone who has uh, influence or power in a position... And you're able to see that. You're able to see that things are going south, that fear is becoming the dominant way to strategize about the future. And if you have the know-how to say, well, look, we don't want to be in a position of fear. We want to be in a position of either hope or uh, pre preserving and protecting individual freedom, right? That would be the hope for anybody that is in any of those positions. That's the, my hope for any of our leaders in this country. You know, that they are operating out of a position of hope and protecting freedoms rather than out of a position of fear or a posture of fear. So bottom line, people are willing to forgo their freedoms in exchange for some safety, even if the danger is overblown or it's a farce or, or if it's for the collective good that we've had for COVID-19, you know, stopping the spread, flattening the curve, all those things we've heard. We all want freedom. We all want our rights. We all want our privileges to do as we please. But there are circumstances where we will give that up. And a crisis is one such place that we, we will be more willing to give up our uh, freedoms. So, so that's a bit of a, whew, that was a bit of a deep dive on freedom and talking about uh, the ramifications for giving that up in light of something like COVID-19. Uh, this has been such a strange time in our history. And I've done a couple episodes now on COVID-19 being one of the f just focal points of the conversation or the discussion. And I must say that I, you know, I've wrestled with this whole pandemic personally about freedoms and freedoms taken and what's the correct course of action. If there's anything I can give to you, listener, to those that are listening to this episode, as a sense of, you know, from a, a position of encouragement, it's to know that Things may not go back to 100% normalcy, but things will begin to move in a direction I think that's going to be very positive and hope-filled. Uh, because 
whenever a disruption like this happens, it's always a chance for people to be exposed in the areas that need to be refined. And it's always an opportunity for people to do inventory. Because I think, again, in America, we're always so used to busy, 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 go, go, go. I've got to get to the next thing. I've got to get to that. When something stops us in our tracks like this and disrupts us, it makes us reassess just what are we doing? You know, what are we doing with ourselves? And I'm not sure if that completely ties into the theme of this episode as far as freedom and the freedoms that we want. Maybe it does. Maybe it does tie into the idea that we all want our freedom of you know, speech, assembly, you know, belief, and, and uh, you know, our faith or whatever that may be. But ultimately, reassessing what it is that we want to be free to think and to do and what is it that we are doing? What is it that we are thinking about? What are we ruminating on day and night that charges our thoughts into the future and charges our actions as well? So just some food for thought here. Uh, as we're wrapping up this episode. So hope you enjoyed this deep dive on Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Again, one of my favorites from the uh, the incredible MCU world. Um, this is the part where I'll tell you to like, share, subscribe, and uh, tell a friend about these episodes. Tell a friend about the writer's lens. Also tell them about the narrative wars. I've just done a bit of a slow, sort of soft launch on that podcast. So it is up and running now. Uh, it's hosted by yours truly, talking about narratives and the different bits of information that we get every day, the stories we're being told, trying to hijack our own narratives, uh, convinces of, of different narratives out there. You, you definitely want to check that out. There's a lot of really deep and I think to be very intriguing and uh, controversial stuff because don't we just love controversy? Don't we just love some good controversy? <laughs> We all need a bit of controversy in our life, right? Might as well just listen to my podcast and you can get your daily dose. So anyway, guys, I hope you're staying safe. Uh, be cool out there. Um, and I will catch up with you guys again soon. This is Josh A.C.L. Felto for The Writer's Lines.